Welcome to the Luke Macias Show. Las Vegas casinos are going to spend big in this Republican primary. They've already started and they've teamed up with Texans for Lawsuit Reform to disguise some of their spending. We're going to break that down for you. Also, Representative Brian Harrison has called on the Texas Library Association to leave the American Library Association because they're a bunch of leftist Marxists. We're going to break that down for you. And last but not least, Joe Biden is basically threatening to come sue Texas because we're trying to secure some of our border. And this is a great win for conservatives, but also we need to understand that Texas is still falling short of all that it could do. So we're going to explain the border policy that we're dealing with. Let's get to the show. Imagine being a Republican voter and you get a mailer in your inbox and it says, hey, you're Republican state representative. And by the way, this is only sent to the districts that have more moderate to liberal Republican state representatives. Your Republican state representative is leading the fight for you. They're fighting for conservative principles. And it lists a bunch of different conservative things that they have done and voted on. Nowhere on this mailer does it say they support casinos. Nowhere does it say they support expanded casino gambling. But it comes from a group called Texans for Opportunity and Prosperity. Well, that sounds nice. We all like a little opportunity. No one's against a little prosperity. We're good to go. This is what happened immediately following the legislative session. A number of these more moderate liberal Republicans started getting digital ads in their district and mailers that showed up that said, hey, your state representative is a conservative champion fighting for you. But now that campaign finance reports have been filed, we now know that the Texans for Opportunity and Prosperity PAC was funded mainly from two sources. Sands Casinos, which wrote a quarter million dollar check. They also got a $25,000 check from Texans for Lawsuit Reform. So you have organizations and entities that are teaming up together saying, hey, if we're going to keep liberal Republicans in power, we're going to have to team up, right? This is why we need to do the same thing on the conservative side, but we'll get there in a second. So you have these two very moderate interests in Austin, large entities, probably the two groups. Texans for Lawsuit Reform PAC has over $30 million in the bank. The Sands Casino interests in Las Vegas, they could spend tens of millions of dollars and not break a sweat. And these entities are clearly lined up to say, we're going to spend as much money as we need to spend on all of these more liberal Republican lawmakers telling everybody that they're great conservative warriors fighting for a bunch of conservative stuff. But they're not going into these districts saying, hey, these people are fighting good on our issue, on our reform of the court system, establishment of a business court. They're not going in to say, hey, these people actually support expanding casinos in Texas, allowing casinos to come in. Now, I've done episodes on casinos before, and you can go back and look at those I've made a case for why these are very destructive. They're bad. It's not a free market solution. This has nothing to do. Even if you're a libertarian, you should oppose any of these legalized casino policies because there's nothing libertarian about them. It is a government-sanctioned, licensed, protected, oligarchic class of people who are allowed to prey on the lower half of your state, meaning the lower income threshold of your state, to prey on them and to generate so much money from those people that they can pay an exorbitant amount of taxes and still make 
tons and tons of money and perpetuate poverty within all of those individuals. There's no opportunity that will be granted to people who are addicted to gambling. There's no prosperity that will be seen for future generations. These individuals won't be able to now pass on things when they die. There will be no estates given because they will have literally gambled it all away. That is what happens to lower income individuals in states where casinos abound. So what do they do? They find this pack that's been sitting for a couple cycles. And a lot of times people will have these packs that just sit there. They have a couple thousand dollars in them. They pay a $25 a month fee just to keep the bank going. And they go, if any of you big corporations want to come, here's kind of a nice broad name that you can stick a bunch of money in. And Texans for Lawsuit Reform and Sands Casinos came in and said, hey, let's cover for a couple of these guys with this broad-based, broad-sounding name. So that is happening. And you need to know it's happening because it will affect the election cycle. Now, another thing I saw this week that I think is important to at least bring to your attention and also be grateful for is this fact that State Representative Brian Harrison sent a letter to the Texas Library Association. And here is what he said. He said, I have been made aware that the American Library Association has elected Emily Drabinsky, a self-proclaimed Marxist lesbian. That is how she has proclaimed herself. I'm a Marxist lesbian, a member of the Democratic Socialists of America as president of the American Library Association. So if you want to know, hey, why do our libraries have all this filth in them? Hey, why do I feel like a community library that is designed to be an, an institution that allows for the education of the masses? Anybody can walk in and consume this great material and learn things. That's what a library is for. That's why we decide to put money into a library. Why does everybody say, let's take a little bit of all of our money through the form of taxation and let's spend it on having a library? Because we've decided that having that knowledge readily available and freely available to any citizen is a healthy and productive and good thing for a society. But you know what? It's not a healthy and productive and good thing if your library is filled with filth and being used to indoctrinate your citizens. And you'd go, well, why is this happening? I know my local librarian. I know the person who's on the board. Well, they can't control what's happening when the American Library Association's president is an avowed Marxist lesbian. So, Brian Harrison has told them to cut all ties. He ends his letter saying, I respectfully ask that the Texas State Library and Archives Commission do the right thing for hardworking Texas parents and taxpayers by immediately cutting all ties financial and otherwise, with the ALA. By sending tax dollars to the ALA, you are forcing my constituents' money to be weaponized against them, their values, and their children. I'm grateful that Representative Brian Harrison took this action. This is the way we need to approach things. When it comes to the next legislative session, we need to make sure that our appropriators stop giving money to these commissions that then pass it on to a bunch of these leftist institutions that are trying to move Texas in the opposite direction. This is the same thing when it comes to the importance of taking our universities to task. We've talked about this with last week's episode on Texas A&M. This is the reason that Dan Patrick has said we need to go after the colleges and universities because we're making Marxists. I'm grateful to all the people moving in from California 
and all these other liberal states that are moving to Texas because 60 plus percent of them are Republicans. So every time 100 Californians move into Texas, we net 20 Republican votes, at least, sometimes more. The problem is we're creating Marxists with our own taxpayer dollars through our K through 12 system, our library system, our higher education system. We have got to approach our budgeting process differently in the Senate and the House, in the Appropriations Committee in the House and the Finance Committee in the Senate. We have to go after the woke and weaponized bureaucracies that are pervasive. See, Brian Harrison sends this letter and the question you should be asking yourself is why in a red state has this not already happened? And why has it still not happened since Brian Harrison sent his letter? The Texas Library Commission has not issued any statements saying, thank you for your concerns. We will be taking immediate action. These commissions and boards are literally governed by individuals who are either appointed by the governor or a commission that has appointed positions by the governor and the speaker and the lieutenant governor. Why are they not taking these actions immediately? Because they don't go in with the missional perspective that says we need to end the madness, even in our state institutions. Texas Scorecard just had a recent story about all these DEI programs being done at the Texas Department of Transportation. These are our state commissions. These are our these are state commissions with 10,000 employees that are saying, "Hey, take these continuing education classes. We want all of you as employees to be indoctrinated into these Marxist ideas." And you're paying for it and I'm paying for it. Not in a blue state, in a red state. So it's not the federal government that's just pushing all this stuff down. It's our own red state governors that are allowing it to happen. Every time Texas Scorecard or Don Huffines or any of these other statewide figures that have revealed these programs, anytime they're brought to light, they're often dealt with. They're often remedied. Which is why we have to keep talking about them. Which is why Brian Harrison has to send his letter. So I'm grateful that he did. Also, by the way, Texas Family Project, if you don't follow them, you should. The Texas Family Project released their report card, their scorecard of the legislative session. And I think that is very informative. If you're somebody who cares about the broad-based issues facing the family, some of those are the LGBT issues, it's the transgender issues, but it's also the exposure of inappropriate material to children, it's casinos, it's a lot of other things that would go to denigrating our family, attacks on the family, defending the family, good and bad policies. The Texas Family Project took the whole session and they released their report card. Now you can go and you can see how your state representative scored on their report card. And then you can even go look at all of the different votes that they actually tracked. And they have an explanation for why that vote matters to the family. So I would recommend you follow them on Twitter, but go to texasfamilyproject.com if you want to actually see their scorecard. These are the type of things that you need to be looking at and then taking to your lawmaker and saying, hey, why did you score this way? And go look at their actual votes and say, why did you vote that way? I read this description. It said that this is why this organization thinks that this is in the best interest of families, but you voted against it. Can you explain why? Texans for Vaccine Choice also uh, released the entirety of their scorecard, and so you can go to their website as well. Look up how your legislator ranked when it came to all their votes and actions that they took on health freedom. It's very important that on all of these issues, you know where your lawmaker stands. And some of you have legislators that are really good on one issue and maybe not as good on another issue. So you might look at how they are on the gun issue 
or the immigration issue, you might talk to them and go, man, that's an issue that my legislator really gets. But what they don't seem to get is the attacks that are happening on the family and why family policy is so important. And so those are things that you need to talk to them about. So please be engaged. Look at the Texas Family Project's scorecard. Also, before I go to the issues that are happening at the border, I want to remind y'all of something I talked about a little bit last week, but Texas Scorecard, Michael Quinn Sullivan is currently working on a documentary. And this documentary is designed to help tell a story of why Democrats have so much influence in our legislative process. It's going to be an incredibly helpful tool, I believe, to educating the masses in Texas on why the Texas House is the way it is. I talk about this on the show quite a bit. The fact that these new members come in and go, I want to push all these Republican policies. And within two to four years, they're catechized into this defeatist mindset that Democrats actually have to be given a ton of power in order for us to even function as a legislative body. You have an institution that fundamentally rewards all the wrong things and punishes all of the right things. Why is that happening? So Michael Quinn Sullivan working on this documentary, please uh, keep your eyes out for it. I will tell you when we release it. We will send it out to our email list and make sure that y'all are aware um, of that documentary when it drops. We are hoping, and, and just from the work I've seen Michael put into it, I do think he's putting together a good product that each and every one of you will be able to send to people to say, hey, I don't understand why Texas isn't doing some of these things that other red states are doing. You can say, this is probably a helpful way to understand some of the fundamental problems in the Texas legislature. So please keep your eyes and ears out for the release of that documentary. I'm sure y'all have seen in the news over the last couple of weeks, the fact that the immigration issue is being talked about even more so. And you've seen Abbott take some additional steps. Um, he has you know, put some more barriers in place and more barbed wire and all of these different things. And so Abbott's presence at the border, what the state is doing at the border, and you have to understand this, remember, our border policy is unfortunately dictated by the governor solely. And the reason that is the case is because Matt Schaefer, who filed House Bill 20 legislation designed to actually have, I would say, thorough, aggressive, conservative border policy. Texas had a border protection unit um, created through HB 20. And this was going to establish a lot of things. Texans for Strong Borders and other immigration groups strongly endorsed this policy and said, hey, we need to get this passed into law. Well, unfortunately, Dade Phelan uh, did one of those things that House leadership often does, where they say, hey, this is such a good issue and a conservative issue. I'm going to make it one of my priorities. Okay. Here's one thing you'll learn, though. When Dan Patrick says something's a priority and it's conservative, it passes his chamber and it passes it quickly. He says, this is a priority of mine. And, you, and sometimes Dan Patrick will say, this is a priority. And I'll look at it and go, that wouldn't be my priority. That's not necessarily one of my top 20 or 30 or 40, but I understand you're dealing with this entire Senate body and different senators and constituents are coming in with different issues. But other times, Dan Patrick will say, here's a slew of priorities. And most of his priorities are in line with the Republican platform. They're in line with what I want to see become law. And then you know what I see? All of those conservative things fly through his chamber quickly. That way, the only way they die is if the Texas House kills them. Dave Phelan did something different. He lays out his priorities. And the first couple of priorities he kept laying out were massive government expansion. Many of them were authored by Democrats. He basically came out and said, hey, I want to expand Medicaid in this way. And I want to give more government programs in this way. And all these Democrat lawmakers are going to author all of my priorities. And everybody's going, what are you doing? And then these bills, by the way, they flew through the process. They had hearings quickly. 
They got changes, any changes they needed. They got to the floor and they got voted out and they went over to the Senate because Dade Phelan didn't want them to die. But not the Border Protection Unit, not HB 20. HB 20, even though Dade Phelan said, this is my priority, I want to do this. And we all thought, man, this is one of the, this is the best priority Dade Phelan has. And then it sits there and it sits there and it sits there. And then it gets passed out of committee real late and it gets to the floor real late. So any procedural hiccup that this bill has, and I, I say hiccup uh, with a little bit of irony because the reality is, again, these hiccups are all manufactured and determined by the speaker himself. Okay, either the leadership team is quite competent and smart, which I actually argue they are, they're just wrong, or they're just intellectually stunted. So in this case, House leadership drags their feet, they bring the bill to the floor, they put it on a platter, and then the Democrats get up and call a point of order. And Dave Phelan goes, oh my goodness, this bill that's been sitting so long and is now here at the very, very end has to die. My hands are tied. I can't do anything about it. We have to kill this bill. I guess our border will remain open for another two years. That's what happened. And so unfortunately, we're in a situation where our border policy is, is solely in the discretion of the governor. And for a long time, Governor Abbott has basically pushed to have a big presence at the border while also facilitating the invasion in a more orderly fashion. Because the way I say our, our current border policy is. Most of our border policy is around the idea that we want to have a big presence so we can show people all the stuff we're doing at the border. We're going to spend a lot of money at the border. But ultimately, if 2 million people walk up to the border, 2 million people are crossing into the border. That's the policy of the state of Texas. That is a policy that most of us as conservatives oppose wholeheartedly. Well, Abbott has started to take some additional steps, which are irritating the Biden administration. And you've probably seen a bunch of the scary stories written about how Texas is denying all these people entrance to the border. So Biden's DOJ is actually talking about coming in. And here's the good news of what it looks like is shaping up. So here's what I want y'all to have on your radar and the perspective I would keep in mind when looking at all of what's happening at the border. We want the Biden administration to sue the state of Texas. That's what we want. And the reason we want them to sue the state of Texas is that we are going to go to court and establish whether or not Texas is allowed to take measures of its own at its own border. And I think we will win that case. And the reason that's a really important case to win is then we can eliminate excuses that we keep getting from our own Republican politicians in the state of Texas. Because a lot of Republican politicians in the state Senate, in the state House, and in the governor's mansion are basically saying, we wish we could secure the Texas border, but we just can't do it. So let's go to court on some of the policies that Texas is implementing, and let's have a fight. And hope and pray that the federal courts actually side with Texas's actions. And then we can say, great, now what's the next step? Now what's the next step? Because here's what you do need to understand. If you're seeing what's happening at the border and you're thinking, man, that's great that Texas is doing that. If we win in federal court, we go, great, now we can keep doing that. All of the policies that we have still are facilitating the invasion by millions of illegals into the state of Texas. That is happening.
And that is one reason why just last week, Carrie Cheshire, the executive director of Texans for Strong Borders, actually wrote an op-ed and it said, why won't Texas Governor Abbott work to remove, remove huge incentives for illegal immigration? And he actually went through the fact that all of several of these other red states have passed E-Verify legislation, including the state of Florida. Ron DeSantis led on this issue and passed great E-Verify legislation. But in Texas, it's something that our governor has stayed completely away from during his entire tenure. And what E-Verify would do is ultimately make it harder to hire illegal immigrants. And by the way, if you don't think that getting a Texas job is one of the motivating factors to walk across the border illegally, you're fooling yourself. So this is not rocket science. I don't need some massive white paper to tell me, hey, the harder you make it for an illegal immigrant to get a job in Texas, the less likely they are to come. That actually makes sense. So Mr. Cheshire wrote that piece in the Western Journal. Great piece. You should definitely go read it. Uh, follow Texans for Strong Borders because they're putting a lot of content out like that. Um, but he does talk about the fact that Texans want to see E-Verify. All voters across the board want to see E-Verify. Other Republican states have done this and Texas should. Now, just so you know, and I think I've talked about this before, but last session, E-Verify legislation was filed. And it actually made it out of committee in the Senate, which was a huge, I mean, honestly, it made it further than it's made it in the last couple sessions, which I give credit to Texans for Strong Borders and other groups that showed up for the first time this session. We haven't had a strong statewide immigration group, honestly, in Texas, which is strange if you rewind. But I just realized like over the last three or four sessions, we don't have any strong statewide immigration group. So Texans for Strong Borders shows up for their first legislative session that they're very active in. And all of a sudden, E-Verify legislation that has never gone anywhere gets a hearing and gets voted out of a Senate committee. So we've taken these steps in the right direction. Sadly, though, that legislation didn't seem to get the support it needed to get onto the Senate floor. So there were enough Republicans, and none of this is public because that's the way the Senate works, but there were enough Republican lawmakers in the Senate not supporting E-Verify to keep it from actually getting voted over to the Texas House. Now, in the Texas House, they didn't even hear the legislation. They didn't have a hearing. They didn't even want to talk about the policy. So there's a lot of work to be done on this issue. But if Governor Abbott would come out and say, hey, as part of our overall addressing of immigration, we need to pass E-Verify. During a special session that we're dealing with immigration policy, we should also cut off some of these magnets. That would be an incredibly large step in the right direction to where Texas needs to get on its immigration policy. So I hope that is something we see. I'm glad that Texans for Strong Borders are actually talking about this issue because it's at least getting us where... Uh, in the direction, right? We're moving in the right direction in this discussion. I'm glad the Biden administration is probably going to take legal action against Texas. That's great for us. We need that court battle. And then we need to use that to take away the excuse. Same thing happened with abortion, right? Every time the when the heartbeat bill or the 15-week ban was upheld or the 20-week ban was upheld, as soon as a 20-week ban got got passed, actually, the left was so scared, they didn't even sue on the 20-week ban because they knew the the Supreme Court was going to rule that they could happen. And then they knew that once that happened, every red state in America would ban abortion at 20 weeks. So the left stayed out of the court case. But every time we had a win on the issue of life in the courts, then the pressure increased on every red state that hadn't passed that policy. So the same thing should happen on the immigration issue. Lastly, I will say that this morning, Ronnie Jackson uh, actually tweeted out, which I'm very appreciative of. He said, Texans overwhelmingly voted to reelect Ken Paxton. 
He called for an end to this witch hunt that's going against the attorney general. He actually linked to a piece in The Federalist written by Mark Pulliam, who's a former Texan who now left Texas for Tennessee. But Mark is still a good friend to conservatives in Texas and a very respected lawyer who wrote a piece in The Federalist saying the Paxton impeachment sham undermines the will of Texans and Texas voters. And honestly, it's something we've already argued on this show multiple times, but I'm going to remind you that the Senate does start their impeachment trial in September. And I'm glad that not only are other commentators, Mark Pulliam is a very smart lawyer, a conservative who is a graduate of the University of Texas, who has been in Texas for a long time, even though he's still out of the state, he's looking back in our state going, what are y'all doing? This is ridiculous. And actually writing national pieces like the Federalists are carrying more and more pieces, talking about the impeachment of our attorney general, and then having Ronnie Jackson, one of the more conservative congressmen in our state, actually comment on this issue. I'm very grateful to see those people standing up and continuing to speak into this issue. And that's what conservatives have to do. And they have to do it loudly and steadily from now until this impeachment is done. Guys, we have a lot going on, but I hope that that is at least covered for you. Some of the top topics going on, there's more issues happening. I'm looking forward to coming to you next week. I'm glad to be back in the saddle. My daughter's almost a month old, which is a really exciting time for our family, but I really am uh, enjoying getting back into all that's happening in Texas as our summer. We're kind of on the second half of the summer and elections are starting to gear up. You're seeing some more candidates start to announce. So there's so many different moving parts and things happening. Another thing I'm encouraged by is the fact that more of you are starting to organize. I get emails back from people. And if you're not on my email list, go to lukemacias.com, sign up there. You can get, I email out once a week, the links to the show, but also just different commentary on different things. But it's also where I get to engage with a lot of the listeners because a lot of people will email back and ask questions, talk about it. I've gotten lined up to be speaking at various different things across Texas. And also in the conversations of the listeners and the followers to the show, we're continuing to see people saying, hey, we're organizing in this local conservative group and here's some actions we're taking. Hey, we're helping this candidate locally in this way. Very encouraged by all the people that are actually putting time, talent, and treasure into issues that matter. So I'm grateful to come to you and I'm grateful that you're not just listening. You're not just watching this show, but you're actually engaging and doing more to fight for the things that we believe in for the state of Texas. May God bless you and may God bless Texas. Thank you for listening to the Luke Macias Show. To find out more information about what's going on here in Texas, visit texasscorecard.com.